0: Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This podcast is brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. I am in my ninth year of covering local news in Fishers, so for the latest Fishers news, simply go to LarryInFishers.com. On Twitter, you can follow me at Larry in Fishers. Freedom Kolb has her own children enrolled in Hamilton Southeastern Schools and spent several years running the Hamilton Southeastern Schools Foundation. Freedom is now working as an administrator at HSE Schools as special projects officer. I talked with Freedom about the Curiosity program and other programs uh, of which she is a part in the local schools. I also talked with Brooke Lawson, mental health and counseling coordinator for HSE Schools. I spoke with Freedom Kolb and Brooke Lawson during the morning of Thursday, September 12th. I'm at the Hamilton Southeastern Schools uh, we're at the administration building in one of the conference rooms here, uh, nicely remodeled. I can remember when the remodeling was going on. I can remember the previous building where everybody was crammed together, and it's much nicer today. I'm with Freedom Cole. Freedom is special projects officer for the Hamilton Southeastern Schools, and also um, being joined by Brooke Lawson. and Brooke is the mental health. Um, uh, I guess coordinator would be the name, and you're also working in school counseling, coordinating that. Mm-hmm. And these two ladies have been very generous, giving me some, some of their time to talk about uh, the programs in which they are involved. So, ladies, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Larry. Yeah,
1: thanks for having us.
0: Well, first thing I want to ask Freedom is this. So. What does a special projects officer do?
1: I joke that I am the secret agent for the district um, because it's really special projects can fill any role. But how it started was um, when we received notification of the Lilly Endowment Comprehensive Counseling Initiative. And that um, effort really covers three areas. One is comprehensive school counseling. Which has lots of components in mental health and social emotional learning are equity and inclusion work and experiential learning, so occasionally you 'll find me dabbling in other areas, but those are the three primary areas of focus
0: and brooke we've talked why well, should we've talked to both of you before you and your role as a foundation uh, head and uh, Brooke and her. Uh, role as, as mental health coordinator but counseling is now part of your job so talk about that.
2: Sure so actually as we were doing the needs assessment for the Lilly Grant um, one thing that counselors shared was that they reported to a lot of different people so they were reported to their building principal but if they had a question um, about 504s or student services they had a couple different people at central office that they would talk to but no one person that was really advocating for school counseling at the district level so um, when we wrote the grant we wrote in a position into the grant so that there would be somebody at the district level who oversaw school counseling Um, and so when we received the grant Dr. Boroff felt like it made the most sense that since I was already doing a lot of the mental health work um, that it would make a lot of sense to expand
0: my role. Now you mentioned 504. I know what that is. Everyone may not know, so explain sure. what a 504 is.
2: So, um, some of our students who are struggling with health issues—that could be mental health or physical health—may um, have a 504 plan. So that's just some some additions to the support that's provided to them at school.
0: Well, we're here to talk about a program, well, a lot of things, but Curi- curiosity. And, and uh, there was a time when people would call that curiosity, and it's only because of the way it's spelled. It's spelled C U. R I O C I T Y, so it's curiosity, but it's pronounced curiosity, but I assume that's because. Curiosity is actually a big part of the program, the curiosity of the student, correct?
1: That's absolutely right. It was um, or, or always designed to be curiosity, just a play on words. The concept is um, we know how important it is for not only education but economic development um, to continue to foster curiosity in our students and across our community. Um, the City of Fishers and HSC schools have always been extraordinary partners and collaborative, and so... As the concept began to evolve, it, it became this community as a classroom or community as a campus concept. Um, so when we looked at Curiosity and found the fun play on words to put it together, that's what we branded the effort. Now,
0: I don't know which one of you want to talk about this, but one thing I found in looking into this program, and, and it's it's a program that's that's going on in many parts of the country, but what appears to make our program in Fishers and Hamlet Southeastern different is the fact that the city is so involved. Who wants to talk about that?
1: I'm happy to. It it is really the driving force behind the effort has been the City of Fishers and really that close connection all along. Uh, Dr. Borf and Mayor Fadness have a great relationship, but as it has evolved over time, they they said a few years ago, you know, we could team up more than just transactional service. You know, they they mow our, our lawns and they plow our... You know parking lots and all sorts of things um, that they do. But we are starting to see hints of what we could do together in major initiatives. And Brooke can talk about some of the stigma-free work um, in a minute that she's involved in. And they said, what if we teamed up in an educational capacity? What would that look like? And then the ultimate outcome was curiosity.
0: I want to talk a little more about those programs. But let's go to Brooke because I can remember before Scott Badness even became mayor. Mm-hmm. He was mayor elect, and he and I were having a meeting, and he started talking about the importance of mental health. Mm-hmm. And this all comes from him being involved with looking at data from the police department and other departments, the fire department, and looking at the number of runs that are related to mental health in some way, mm-hmm. and seeing that, you know, that's something that needed uh, to be addressed i think other cities have come along but i would have to say give mayor fadness credit for this he made it a very important part of his administration even before he was mayor and you know uh, let's face it i've covered politics and cities before and sometimes a mayor will come in and say yeah we're going to do this program declare victory move on to the next one Mm -hmm. scott fadness has made this his project for his entire mayoral term Mm -hmm. and the schools have been very much a part of that you have been a part of that so i'd like you to fill in some of the blanks on this
2: sure i'd love to i um i am so grateful for the support of mayor fadness and really um the work that our core team has been able to do around mental health Um, i think we've we have looked at the problem and mayor fadness has been very clear of like we're not just going to throw a public campaign out there but we're actually going to do something and so i think with his support we've done some great work with Within the schools we when I first started my position my job was to coordinate mental health services for the district and so prior to that we had about 50 kids receiving mental health therapy in the district and last school year we had almost 900 students who received mental health therapy within the schools. We've served almost 1,300 students since the contract began in 2017. Um, And we've seen great outcomes as a school district as well. So we've seen that the kids who have received mental health support have had an increase in their GPAs, an increase in their test scores, a decrease in their disciplinary infractions, and an increase in their attendance. So we know that if we're hooking kids up with the support that they need at school, they're going to get better. And then their academics and all of the the indicators that we look at for success as a school district are going to um get better as well. So I think one of the really neat things about the mental health initiative in Fishers has been Mayor Fadness and Chief Arusa's um, ability to kind of look at the problem and look at the access to services that we have. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the EDO program, um, but I just think that that is something that's really innovative and other communities aren't doing that.
0: Well, tell us about that. You explain yeah. the EDO. I yeah. don't know about it, but you, you right. So it.
2: So I love how Chief Arusa always says like firefighters' job is to fight Fires, right? But we don't have that many fires in the city of Fishers, um, and so but, but
0: first responders—that's a big job. To
2: exactly, have. but but we have all these really well-trained individuals that are working, and so he has um, created positions. We have three EDOS, and I'm going to botch the title of them. They're emergency department officers, um, and they are responding to mental health needs. So anytime, we've seen an increase in the number of people who are calling 911 and saying I'm struggling with a mental health issue, um, and and our police officers are trained. Um, they have crisis intervention training, and they are going on those runs. But now we have our EDO officers joining them, and they have additional mental health training outside. They have the crisis intervention training, but they have some additional training, and then they're doing follow-up with those people. So, So they're checking back in on them. Let's say the person is in crisis and needs to be hospitalized. They will check in on them within 48 hours of them being released from the hospital. And what what the research says is that the first two weeks after discharge from the hospital are really critical times for people to get connected to support and services. And so our emergency officers are able to walk alongside those people and connect them to the services. We've been able to achieve that within the schools um, since we started our mental health initiative but what we haven't been able to achieve that with is adults and so this is really filling that gap for them
0: yeah and i've heard something it could be something as simple as making sure you're taking the right medications Mm -hmm. when you're because if you don't get in the habit of doing that when you're released you could end up back in the hospital right but uh, and and the other thing that i i think is key here and i covered the last referendum that we had Mm -hmm. it was an operating referendum a lot of it went to more teachers pay our teachers better But there was a major component of that referendum, and it was discussed during the referendum campaign that was going to fund a health program, mental health program, and that's the program you talk about that began in 2017, Mm -hmm. bringing health have mental health professionals into buildings uh, right. every building has one there at least two or three days a week I think.
2: yeah so we started with 13 therapists in the district and one crisis liaison which is a really unique position to our school district and um, this school year we started with 22 therapists in the district so that's a big we change only, yeah we only have six schools that are currently sharing a therapist so um, most of the therapists When we started out, we're assigned to two schools, um, but we will eventually, probably every school, will have a full-time mental health therapist um, that can provide therapy to students at
0: school. Let me go back to freedom, because we want to talk about curiosity again. One thing that curiosity has uh, been getting kudos for is the fact that the students themselves are choosing the projects they want to do. Mm -hmm. I read about a project where a group of students were... We're working on how um, to keep older dogs from being euthanized for example Uh, and there are many others so explain how this of course there's there's adult uh, supervision (laughs) they can't just do anything but uh, some of these programs start with the students and i would guess very few of them are are next by the adults so i'd like to ask you how how this works how if i'm a if I have a student in school and, and he or she is, is wanting to do something, how does that get started through this program? Explain, walk us through that, that whole process.
1: Absolutely. There's kind of a couple routes um, students can be involved. The ultimate vision is exactly what you said, that um, curiosity is a marketplace of problems ready to be solved by our students and gives them a chance to apply the high quality instruction that they're getting in the classroom to a real world situation. Um, employers tell us all the time that our kids aren't graduating or aren't coming to them deficient in content knowledge. It's It's not that they don't remember the quadratic equation or where to put the Oxford comma, that they need the chance to apply the skills that they have learned. So right now, we're still in the pilot phases of students really being able to realize that vision, where they can go to the hub, is what we call it, and find any number of experiences. So it could be project-based learning. It could be an internship. It could be job shadowing. Lots of different opportunities for them to, to connect. And really, that's a credit to Dr. Borf and Mayor Fadness because what they were seeing historically is um, only certain segments of our student population had access to some of those um, high-quality experience. For example, Mayor has said that he's willing to take a student intern, but typically the interns that were placed there were sons and daughters of law partners or folks in government who knew he was willing to. This kind of democratizes education and is could be the great equalizer in giving all students
0: access to these opportunities. You know, when city hall was under construction, this was a story that I loved writing the mayor gave up his office so that the interns would have a place to work. I I had a picture of his desk in the middle of the hallway. Nobody believed it until I wrote that story, and other news operations started picking up on that story. Doesn't it make
1: you feel good about our priorities in Fisher's (laughs) I
0: I just thought it was a great story, and that sounds like the Scott Fadness that I know. Yes, absolutely. He's not really hung up on his office. Take my office. And he's not in his office that much anyway, but that's, 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 that's another matter.
1: We also see, though, right now the greatest usage is teachers looking for those opportunities that really align with what they're teaching. So um, it could also be that the teachers discover an experience that they think will amplify instruction. Um, So it could be, you know, who better to learn about journalism, broadcasting, you know, podcasting than to have Larry come talk with them or let a student interview you. Um, So you kind of get that dual type of opportunity where teachers can help make those connection points or ultimately students will be
0: able to reach out um, themselves it's been a long time since i've been interviewed i'm not sure how i can handle that (laughs) the other side of the (laughs) mic right it it feels much different actually i was interviewed by sam quinn at ibj recently mm -hmm, but that was uh, a little less comfortable than what i'm doing now asking the (laughs) questions i'm a little bit brooke i want to talk about stigma free and how that blossomed within the hamilton southeastern schools as i recall wasn't there basically one student that got some people together at Hamilton Southeastern High School and began the stigma free clubs, which are now? Yeah. And, and they're, they're now more than one, but uh, talk about how that all happened.
2: Sure. So um, I think it was my second week of work. Um, I received an email from a student saying, I have an idea to start this club at my high school, and I'm having a hard time finding a sponsor. But my principal just told me that you might be a sponsor for my club. And so I wanted to know if you'd sit down and talk with me. Um, and I was like, Yeah, I'd be happy to talk to you. I don't know what you're talking about in regards to a mental health club. I was, I was trying to get a better idea of what he meant by that and so um, I met with him and he had some great ideas we had a lot of conversation around like this isn't a mental health support group because we have those at our school but that wasn't his intention for this club Um, he really just wanted to be an advocate for those who struggle with mental health issues he wanted to be um, to to reduce the stigma in his school community and the community um, and just be somebody that kids could go to if they they felt like they were struggling that they could connect them to resources so um, we started that first club back in october of 2000 no it was november Um, of 2017, and um, it has grown and grown and grown. We actually, um, the Indiana School Mental Health Initiative heard about the club um, and realized that there was a club out on the West Coast that was um, gaining a lot of traction. It's actually Glenn Close's club. It's called Bring Change to Mind. It's a student high school club with very similar values as our our stigma-free clubs had. Um, And so the Indiana School Mental Health Initiative paid for Fishers High School and HSE High School and Noblesville High School in Avon um, in Indiana last year to pilot those clubs and it was great because it gave us access to resources that we didn't have access to before Um, and it also connected us with a ton of other kids who have the same passions just in a different state and so um, the Department of Education in Indiana found it so beneficial that this this school year they um, entered into a contract with Bring Change to Mind in any high school in the state of Indiana has the opportunity now to have a club so we actually had our first club meetings for both Fishers and HSE this week and we had great turnouts at both um and they they spent time brainstorming what are we going to do this year and some of the things that they came up with this year I'm I'm really really excited about so
0: yeah, and the stigma free event that usually happens, I think mm-hmm. it's in May. Each it's year? in May. Mm-hmm. Uh, each is for the last few years, mm-hmm. which I think the students actually did generate that. They it did. was their idea. Yeah. And it was like a concert, there was music, there was food, there was just, it was a party. Mm-hmm. And the idea is to take the stigma. And I think this whole idea of stigma free, and I want you to say a word about this this whole idea of stigma free, I go, you know, just have my 68th birthday, and I've been around a long time, and I. I can remember most of my life, mental health being stigmatized mm-hmm. almost everywhere I went, yeah. anybody I knew, families that I knew, and I've only in recent years seen a, a move toward people understanding that mental health is it, it deals with a with a uh, an issue of health. It is not something that means you have a character flaw, for example, which is the way people looked at it for most of my life. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, if you, if you have depression, this is a chemical imbalance in your body. This Mm -hmm. is not something you did to yourself. So my question to you is uh, how successful do you think this, this program is? Do you think we're turning people's minds around
2: I do. You know, I always like to say, I think generally in the past two, we've used the term mental health and mental illness interchangeably. Um, and actually, I like to, to tell people there's mental health, we all have it, right? There's mental health challenges. Some of us have those you every person is going to experience one of those in their lifetime. And then there's mental illness. And sometimes if we experience a mental health challenge, and we don't have good coping strategies, it could turn into a mental illness. And so I like to talk about that continuum to people because I think I I think it's important that you understand. We all have mental health. It's just like physical health. And if we don't take care of it, we could develop mental illness. Um, One thing that we have seen since we've started these clubs and since we've really started the initiative, is that we have had more and more kids coming forward and saying, I'm struggling and I need some help. Um, and we, that's our goal, right? We want kids to come forward um, because then we can connect to them to the resources that they need. And every school year, we're tracking how many students are, are coming down and talking to our school counselors about thinking about suicide or self harm. And every semester, we're seeing more and more kids doing that because we actually believe that our students are realizing. Like, it's okay to not be okay, but I know who to go to if I'm having those issues.
0: When I worked for the federal government, I worked at 28 years when I started in the 80s, and it was during that time that the federal, my, my particular agency I was working in, began an employee assistance program. And the agency was shocked at the mm-hmm. number of people who took advantage of that. Yeah. And I think it's because a lot of people with these issues suffer in silence. Yeah. And once they get the opportunity to get help, it's amazing. I want to go back to uh, to freedom here. And I want to talk a little more about uh, about curiosity. Now, you've talked about the exper- experiential learning. I'm trying to say mm-hmm. that right. Yes. Which HSC Schools has been into, HSC 21. Yeah. You know, people thought about the, the iPads being mm-hmm. that program. It's really much more than that if you talk to any of the educators here. Absolutely. They'll talk more about the experiential learning, than, which is just putting yourself into a real situation, uh, doing tasks that are different, maybe in groups and that sort of thing. So I want you to explain how experiential learning works. Give us examples that you have seen. Of experiential learning,
1: uh, sure. Uh, one of my favorites has actually been at Lantern Road Elementary, um, and, and it's it, it's an interesting project. So they were working on writers' workshop. Um, you know, and, and I'll probably botch the grade in the exact um, unit or standard, but uh, you know, second graders may be learning adjectives, for example. Um, and they can write that on a worksheet, right? Or they can discuss that in a class or do some traditional methods of education and then move on to the next unit. But when kids see the relevancy of their work, it sticks. You know, it is answering that age old question that we all asked when we are in school is when am I ever going to use this? right so they I
0: part- thought about that in algebra class every day too. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so until you need to build a deck right <laughs> so so that is that's you just gave a great example of experiential learning so what lantern road did um and, and there's you know hundreds of these projects across the district but they partnered with cr heroes a local restaurant um and the kids um rewrote the kids menu now, it's fantastic for the business, right? Because who's going to describe a kid's menu better than a kid? Um, but it's also great for our students because then they see the relevancy of their work. They get more excited. They are more engaged. So that one project, just to reinforce simple writing skills, then the students could go to the restaurant, you know, see the menus in place. While they were there, kid, the kids became fixated on plastic straws. As kids do, you never know where passions is going to take them, and the greatest driver of learning is passion. So they then came up with a sustainability environmental campaign about the use of plastic straws, what that does to the environment. And it is one of the only restaurants in town that I do not take a plastic straw at because they have a little sign up with a seal drawn by second graders that's looking at you and says, do you need that straw? <laughs>
0: <Is> and- <laughs> that's, really? Oh, my gosh. I've got to go there and check you need to go check
1: it out and so in some ways you know those eight-year-olds are winning the marketing game from all of big business showing us the floating trash piles in the ocean because i cannot help but to think this is the world we're passing on to kids this is their chance to make a difference and we are reinforcing to them at that young of age that they can change the world
0: so, you know, I notice more and more restaurants are not giving you a plastic straw unless you ask for it. Now, I don't have any problem with a, with a paper straw, if you want to give me that one. But I've just noticed. So this is a much more creative way of yeah. dealing with that situation than just telling your staff, let people ask for a straw. Well,
1: and at the end of that school year or even at the end of that school day, when those children go home to their parents and say, How is school today? You know, they might get more than just a fine,
0: right? <laughs> Depends on the student,
1: Right, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: But if they're really excited about what they're doing, they will probably tell their parents And they'll that. push
1: further and harder
0: sure. with their learning.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you think about, and I'll, either one of you, uh, I mean, I was, went to school a long time ago. Uh, working in groups was very, very rare when I was in school. Almost never. Until I got to college, strangely enough. We did some, some, some group projects there. But do you think... This whole uh, move toward more group projects is a good thing, bad thing? I'm just curious about your views on that, either one of you.
1: Well, what we do know is that employers both locally and nationally say that it is far more difficult to find um highly skilled employees that have uh, advanced executive function and social emotional skills. And we know that collaboration is part of that. We also know that collaboration is kind of a master skill that's made up of, you know, the ability to self-regulate and communicate and do some of those other. um, So we really do see group work when facilitated well as an essential life skill that helps our children prepare for college career, career, life future ready skills so we we are excited about group work but we also know that it requires a lot of scaffolding and support for
0: that learning to be transferred Mm -hmm. you know when i was young everybody talked about your iq but Brooke, I keep hearing people talk about your EQ, which is your emotional quotient. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, about that. So we're actually super proud of the district and a lot of the work that has happened over the past probably two years. Um, And this school year, we are actually teaching social and emotional skills in um, all of our buildings in grades K through 8. Right now we're in a pilot year um, and teachers are teaching these skill building lessons one time a week to students. Um, And then next year we'll fully roll out um, the, the lessons for students and I as a parent love it because I get some information that's coming home to me once a week where I can reinforce the skills um, that my child is learning and we just think that it's going to prepare our students much better for the future um, because what we're hearing from employers are well they have all the academic skills but they don't have these social emotional skills and that's really or those what people used to say and I hate this term soft skills that are needed to be a successful employee.
0: Yeah, I never liked that that phrase either. I think it means much more than that. And once you get into a workplace, you know, I started working out in the real world. I saw the importance of an emotional quotient. I saw the importance Mm -hmm. of somebody who could integrate and work as a team. And you clearly see the people who don't have that skill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, uh, I'm fortunate that I I, I did have uh, some experience. Of course, I was family of six kids. That helped, too. Yes.
2: Well, and we believe those skills can be taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we give our teachers the tools and the time to do it, we believe that they're just as important as as the academic skills.
0: Now, I know, Freedom, your, uh, your position, the work that you do is partly f- or maybe fully funded, you can tell me. By a two-point one million dollar grant given by a Lilly foundation to the hamilton southeastern schools are you actually paid out of that grant is that where your salary comes from my
1: position is not our um the the three leaders around the objective areas so brooke lawson with um mental health and school counseling dr erica buchanan rivera with equity inclusion and the eric day is now our experiential learning work-based learning coordinator Um, he also does data um, analytics for the district as well but those three positions and then smaller pieces of other positions. So Susan Drum and um, Mandy Scott um, are contributed. Um, My role is really to coordinate the logistics and track the outcomes associated with the grant.
0: So really, that's that's your accountability back to the Lilly Foundation, because when Lilly or any other large foundation provides a grant, they want to know, okay, how are you using the money? Give us updates on where it's going, how it's working. And that's really what you are involved in doing correct
1: yeah lily is very focused and this is a little bit of minutia, but i find it super exciting maybe it's the nerdiness in me they are focused on outcomes um, so they're less focused in um, tracking um, just just numbers they really want to know how are we moving the needle on behalf of students and you know Unfortunately, that's a much dif- more difficult lift, right? There, there's a lot more evaluation components than just counting how many folks attended a training. Um, but it's much more meaningful work because we, what we can say is we made a difference for our students, we made a difference for our families, we made a difference in our community.
0: Brooke, this is, uh, we're in the middle of suicide prevention month, is mm-hmm. that correct? And I must be honest, uh, working in the media before, we were always very careful how we talked about suicide in, in, in mass media, because how do you discuss it without encouraging it? How do you talk about it in a way where you could try to prevent it rather than putting it? It was very it was always very difficult for us to deal with. And I think. Uh, In recent years, that has changed a great deal. Mm -hmm. I think people in the media and those of you who are in the profession talking to those of us in the media have taught us and and explained to us that there is a way to discuss Mm -hmm. this issue in a responsible way. So tell me uh, (laughs) – Just talk to me about that whole issue of suicide prevention, what people should look for, because there are situations where if you see some signs, you need to intervene. Mm-hmm. Talk, talk yeah. about that.
2: So um, if you, I will reference our Hamilton Southeastern Student Success Team, um, our social media, we have tons of resources. We've been pushing them out all month long that you can access. But what research tells us is that somebody who's thinking about suicide, if somebody asks them, they typically will be honest and tell you and so what we say is if, you're no- if you've noticed a difference in somebody's baseline behavior, it's better for you to just ask them how they're doing and I don't know if you remember the, um, the conversation we had um, last year during this month um, with Bob Kravitz um,
0: In fact, I interviewed Bob myself That's yeah.
2: right, that's right, right before it mm-hmm. and so um, we actually showed a video that I think is really hilarious um, that the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention put out called "Seize the Awkward" and just really like it can be kind of awkward to ask somebody like, "Hey, I noticed that you're acting a little different. Is everything okay?" But it's so important, um, and so that's really our message this month is: if you notice a change in somebody's behavior, ask them how they're doing. And I think what we really are stressing to our kids, and it is part of our eighth-grade wellness curriculum. Now we have a suicide prevention, a four-lesson um, kind of part of our curriculum that we're teaching kids. What are the signs? How do I talk to somebody? And then what do I do, right after I've talked to somebody? And what we're trying to stress to our students is it's not your job to make sure that somebody is healthy, mentally healthy. What it what is your job is to connect them with a trusted adult. And so we're helping our students to identify who are those trusted adults I can go to.
0: Well, time goes fast, and I talk to ladies like yourself. So busy with so many different things. So I'm going to give you one last shot to just mention anything I didn't think to ask about, or anything you want to add. And I'll ask Freedom to start.
1: Sure. I think one of the things we are most excited about is um, we are releasing a new "We Got This" campaign um, that, in in a lot of ways, encapsulates everything that we've talked about with you today, Larry. Um, but what it is is it's an effort to bring all of our stakeholder groups and everyone that is passionate about students and education in our community alongside. So it is targeted at, you know, community leaders, at parents, how they can walk alongside our students. Um, We got this is we as a community, you know, the schools might not always have every program perfectly in place, but together we think we can build skills with our students that make them successful in life. And so we will continue to release, we have a series of about seven videos, we're doing a a lot of um, other work and, and social media, and some of these announcements that will clearly articulate um, the goals, the key outcomes, and how every adult in this community can
0: support students. Mm-hmm. And where do you find those videos?
1: So right now, if you go to um, hscschools.org, under the school counseling page, we have a We Got This section. It also has a lot of white paper information. So folks are saying, I'm really interested in this, but I'm not seeing the connection with academic learning. It has all that research. Um, We know, for example, that teaching um, social-emotional skills typically boost academic performance 11 percent it has some good uh, economic development indicators we've heard back from businesses so um, the, it is really well researched field at this time so they can find all their information there and stay tuned for a lot more coming this year brooke
0: lawson last comments.
2: i guess um well i love everything that and would echo all, everything that freedom said about that we got this campaign we're super excited about that but i think what i would want to leave um listeners with today is that if they know they themselves or someone they know is struggling that they should reach out for help and if it's a parent in particular um, research tells us that there's an eight to ten year lapse between the time somebody is showing signs and symptoms of a mental health issue to the time that they get um, support and one of my goals as a district is that we're going to intervene as early as possible with our students so that they can get the help that they need because mental illness is treatable and so if you er intervene early you can learn the strategies that you need to learn and you can start getting back to um, feeling better.
0: Always a pleasure to speak with Freedom Kolb and Brooke Lawson, both with the Hamilton Southeastern School Corporation. Thanks, ladies, for your time.
1: Thanks so Thank much, much, Larry. You.
0: This podcast is brought to you by LarryInFishers.com. When there are elections in Fishers, stay up to date on the campaigns by reading LarryInFishers.com. And stay abreast of the latest news by following the Twitter feed at LarryInFishers. My name is Larry Lannon. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.